0: Welcome to episode number one of Fanatics Update with Graham Sutton and Ryan Clark. On today's episode, we're talking the NBA playoffs. We'll talk about matchups, we'll talk about teams, we'll give you some heads up into what we'll be talking about soon. Make sure that you stay tuned and follow us on social media and keep up to date with our podcast. Make sure you follow us. Make sure you turn on your notifications to get updates about when the next podcast is going to drop. And here's Ryan and Graham. Talk, NBA playoffs. So let's take a look at the bracket as of right now, as of today, and the games that have been happening today. Let's take a look at the bracket. Let's start with the Western Conference. So obviously, the number one seed is gonna be Phoenix. Number two seed gonna be Memphis. Then, according to right now, Golden State three, Dallas four, five is Utah, six is Denver. Then the playing games would be Minnesota seven versus the Clippers at eight. And then the other playing game would be the Pelicans at nine versus the San Antonio Spurs at ten. So that that's what the Western Conference looks like. So playing games wise, I mean we have Minnesota and LA that are two great teams. And then you have the Pelicans who are kind of trying to put it together. And the Spurs that it's just kind of like, I don't know why they're there, but what do, you, what do you think about the play-in tournament side of the west?
1: I mean, it's it kind of lays it out for you very well. I mean, seven like the 7 and 8 seed in Minnesota and the Clippers are very much supposed to be playoff teams and will most likely end up being playoff teams. For 9 and 10, New Orleans in its current state without Zion playing really have no business Make being in the playoffs, and they won't be able to. And, obviously, San Antonio is not anywhere near won't want, being able to compete for anything significant. So, I mean, it kind of makes sense. I mean, I, I think that the way Minnesota has been playing this year, something or someone has really unlocked Carl Anthony Towns, and he has really been playing with the energy that everybody's been looking for mm-hmm. on a consistent basis. I... It's definitely gonna be an interesting matchup if they end up matching up most likely with the Clippers in the play-in, because obviously we saw a very similar roster to what the Clippers are now with Paul George now being back, make a pretty deep run and beat the Jazz in the playoffs last year. Yeah. So it's gonna be very interesting to see. I mean, it's definitely very likely that the Clippers could could end up beating them twice and making the seven seed for sure. Mm -hmm. but Minnesota only having to beat them one time to get the seven seed is definitely a big
0: advantage for them. Yeah. So you're thinking Minnesota seven clips eight.
1: I think that since Minnesota has had much more like a consistent roster throughout the year, even though they've played well with Paul George coming back, I think Minnesota is going to end up
0: getting the seven seed. Okay. I would disagree. I would think it flipped. I think Paul George is going to show up, not be playoff P, but really show up and, play well and just carry them for that one game over minnesota and get that seven seed and then minnesota would be the eight seed but i think regardless of who goes where let's look at that phoenix suns matchup with whoever the eight seed's going to be so in your mind it would be the clippers my mind minnesota I don't think it really matters who Phoenix plays
1: yeah I I really don't think so regardless of if it's Minnesota or the Clippers neither team is is playing near on the level of Phoenix's this year I mean they've just been clicking on every cylinder so I mean I would I'd be fairly confident in a sweep if not a gentleman's sweep regardless of the matchup I just don't I mean Phoenix has everything yep they have someone to match up against it it's not like they can get abused by Carl Anthony Towns if that's the matchup because they have a big man that can defend him they have wing defenders they have guard defenders they have everything you could want yep. to be effective offensively and defensively as a team so yep. there's really no like major weakness that either one of those teams could expose to to get a, to potentially pull
0: a significant upset yeah and those strengths are not only just in the starters that's in the bench too like they are a deep team like phoenix Phoenix has got the potential to just run away with this playoffs if they really want to. And if Devin Booker and Chris Paul and DeAndre Ayton, and I'll even include Mikel Bridges, want to take them there.
1: Yeah, I think the big thing, I mean, you kind of saw it last year. If they want to make a deep playoff run, obviously it's important for any team, but that they're going to have to stay healthy, especially at the big man position, because they do have really good center play for sure but they're not super deep at center and you kind of saw it last year he doesn't typically play like the five in most places defensively but when they lost Dario Saric last year and having to re- trying to figure out to rely on Frank Kaminsky to play minutes when DeAndre Ayton was resting just did not work for them once they started to match up against bigger teams like the Bucks for example who have mm-hmm. a lot of big players to match up against so as long as they can keep they're big men healthy, and they have the ability to bring in JaVale McGee off the bench and continue to have that rim protection,
0: then I think they'll be fine uh, to make another deep run. Yeah, I think so, too. I think so, too. All right, let's take a look at that next matchup. So let's look at Dallas with Luka the Don versus Utah. I know Utah has been in the news a little bit lately with Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell's, you know, how they interact with one another has been in question. The media has been kind of throwing that around like crazy. And Rudy Gobert tried to put it to rest, being like, no, nah, we're good. Like, all of this is, like, just rumors. Like, we're on the same goal. We want to win a championship. But, I mean, like, how can they even think they're going to win a championship when they have to go against Luca in the first round? Like, Luca just seems like he's got it this year.
1: Yeah, I definitely think Luca' is playing... On an unreal level, and the Mavericks are really seeming to click as a team like they haven't in the past. But even more, not as much that it means of how, like, that shows how good Dallas is playing. I think it's a real reflection of just how the chemistry in Utah just seems to have deteriorated so significantly. Not that it was ever like to an elite tier in general, but they really seem to be off this year. Still managing to play pretty well as far as record goes compared to a lot of other teams, but I just think that their chemistry is just so off, especially with their two quote unquote stars in Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. I mean they can say whatever they want, but if you just watch them, there's something is just not right with them. And I just they're they're just not as good of a team as they have been in the past. Mm-hmm. And I just think they're they're just bound to be disappointed with their playoff result once again.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, Utah's just trying to bring in guys to replicate what they once were when they were that one seed, and they really were like, yeah, we got this, guys. If we're going to win it. We got all these dudes, and that three-point play that they've got, like, we were, we were talking a little earlier, like, that Utah, when they can hit the three, like, they are fantastic. They're a great team, but they rely on that too much. Like, they don't have, like, that, like they don't have that outside wing player like a Joe Ingles anymore that can help them in that way that would, like, provide any spark for them in that spot. And they try and fill some guys in those different spots. Like, Bogdan's, like, kind of that new dude that comes in trying to fill in for Joe Ingles, even though he was already there, but he's just trying to transition into that new role. I I just don't think Utah's going to do it like you were saying. I think it's just, you look at the matchups, like, they could play another team, like, Maybe they play Denver. They could give them a better run for their money. But, like, I think Dallas has got that one just because I think it's Lucas' time.
1: Yeah, and, I mean, you kind of look at it. They, they're they able to win and have a good record in the regular season. But Utah, the last few years, has really just tried the exact same game plan of just shooting as many threes as possible and not really making many adjustments as far as trying to change the game plan depending on whether or not those threes are actually going in and trying to adjust for it they're just going to stick to their game plan and it has resulted in disappointment for them the last few playoff runs because of it Mm -hmm. it just not every team is going to just let that happen like they do in the regular season the adjustments aren't necessarily as important and teams aren't making significant changes because each game doesn't mean quite as much as it does in the playoffs. Yeah, whereas like it's much more important for a team and a coach to emphasize making adjustments in a playoff game because you can't just give those away. Like you have, like real teams and winning teams like in the playoffs make those adjustments that teams maybe don't necessarily make in the regular season.
0: Yeah, they make those changes, and it makes all the difference. And one team with the changes that they might make, just depending on how healthy they are is going to be Golden State. I mean, the next matchup that we're going to look at is Golden State Warriors playing against Denver. So again, these are all the matchups that are based off of the current standings, but looking at it now, Golden State would be the three seed, Denver would be the six seed. And I mean, this is a toss-up to me.
1: Uh, In my mind, this is really just going to be the contest of who can field the most healthy players from their preferred rosters. Um, I think there might be some rumors that Jamal Murray potentially could be coming back for the playoffs but which that would be a huge game changer but like who you don't even know like what jamal murray you're getting like it's is true. he going to be able to just ramp it up in the playoff i mean he's certainly not going to be like what he has been in the past in the playoffs just right off the bat most likely but obviously with steph dealing with his injuries clay has been healthy again but has been a shell of himself obviously not shooting the ball well and not really playing that well comparatively. It it it's just gonna be who is gonna have their stars healthy. I mean, Jokic is playing at an unreal level obviously, but I'm not sure that he'll be able to to single handedly do it. So it's yeah. really gonna I think it's gonna be dependent a lot on how Steph and Clay are healthy and able to get it done.
0: Yeah, I think I mean I think that'll be a really interesting one to look at. I feel like that's gonna be more of like a we got a game time decision of, okay, Steph's looking good. Clay's not feeling it today. Like, Steph, you got to take this one. And then on the Nugget side, like, Will Barton is their number two right now. And he's showing that he can be their number two. But, like, how well can you depend on him and, like, let Jokic have a night where he, like, doesn't get a triple-double, that he gets, like, 12-point, uh, like 15 rebound five assist game and they can still win the game well and you kind of saw that last
1: year like if Jokic doesn't have an unbelievable game without jamal murray there they really don't have much of a shot to win against a good team like golden state and i mean I guess even even saying with the status of Clay, if they don't, if Steph is not healthy, if Steph is not ready to go in this playoff series, I genuinely am not sure that I see how the Warriors can win. Yeah, just he adds such a dynamic to that team and draws so much coverage and opens up things for other people that, and, and he's just so good at what he does that I just think they would miss that significantly and there would just be such a big hole in responsibility that, like, Clay is an unbelievable player, obviously, but he's really not a ball handler, mm-hmm. and he doesn't do the kind of things off the dribble and movement in the same way that Steph does. Yeah,
0: and then, insert, Andrew Wiggins. Andrew Wiggins is supposed to be that guy who does that dribble-drive ball-handling stuff that Clay can't do, and that's why they brought him in, and the, he can kind of do that?
1: I mean, Wiggins, he was obviously an all-star this year, and I think he can be very effective in that offense, but when Steph is there to take a lot of the attention. I mean, I think that's when he's been the most effective is when he's not going to be the primary focus. But when Steph's out and Clay is not doing so hot, then they can divert more attention to obviously Clay and then Wiggins. And then obviously, I mean, he hasn't played since Curry's been out. Wiggins has not been playing near all-star no. caliber since then.
0: No. So it's the bottom line for that. Golden State, if they got Steph Curry and Wiggins can shine as that second option, like, I, I Golden State will have it. But it really just depends on so many different factors. Yeah. So many different factors. Let's take a look at that final matchup in the Western Conference first round, which would be Memphis versus the 7th seed. So, Ryan, your seventh seed that you have that you thought was Minnesota. You thought Minnesota could get it done. I thought the Clippers. But let's talk about Memphis. I think, in my personal opinion, I think Memphis, other than Phoenix, is going to be the team to beat. Like, they are the true two seed. With how they play as a team and how they bond together, I think it works so well. And even without Ja being there, like, DeAnthony Melton has stepped up such a huge way. Like, I think that they're going to be that team that, like, I know they're young, and I know they don't have certain elements of their game, but, like, I, I they just seem like they're going to have it, like, at least to a deep run. Like, I feel like they're the team to take a deep run. Like, they'll beat either Minnesota or the Clippers. Like, I feel like they've got that one, and then you look further into the playoffs, and if they have to play Golden State, I like their chances. Like they, they have good matchups coming up into it that I think Memphis could be good. But Ryan, give me your take.
1: I think a lot of it depends on what Jaws' injury status is going mm. into the playoffs. I mean, he's been out a few times. I mean, he's been out on and off throughout the season, and he's currently not playing, still dealing with his injuries. I think that's dependent a lot. I know they've played really well. I think they're 18-2 and two or 19-2 and two in games that Jaws not played but I don't think that that number is going to translate into the playoffs. If they don't have Jaw going up against Minnesota or the Clippers, I really don't think that that's going to translate the same way it has during the regular season. Maybe it will, but personally, if they're missing such a dynamic player like Jaw, and they go into a series against Minnesota, who has obviously Cat and Anthony Edwards, who has been playing Unreal this year, And then D'Angelo Russell's been playing good again. Or the Clippers with Paul George being back healthy and that team obviously being experienced with playing each other and making a deep playoff run. I think both of those teams have a much better chance of beating Memphis and moving on. And I I don't think Memphis would make it out of the first round, especially if they don't have jaw.
0: Yeah, if they they don't have jaw, it would make it tough. But I think that they got the pieces that they could make a push. Like you, you let Triple J take it and you try and have him run it through the post, obviously he's not like going to be their main scorer. Like, they're going to have to rely on Dylan Brooks, D'Anthony Melton, have to rely on some of those guys to really step up and take those spots. But I mean, it's going to be hard for them to try and do that without Jaw. I see that point. But I think them as a team could do it, like you were talking about with the stat, that they got those 18 wins under their belt, those 17 wins under their belt, without Jaw on the team like he's still there coaching on the sidelines hyping up his boys but like other than that like i i don't know i feel like they can do it i
1: just think the biggest thing about it is when people talk about the success that Memphis has had without Ja i feel like everybody's reaction is that makes no sense hmm. and you can't explain that and if i was a grizzlies fan that would concern me going into the playoffs because yeah. if you don't know why like you can't really explain why that even makes sense than how like you can't expect all these guys to really be to elevate themselves when a lot of NBA players aren't just able to elevate themselves, they need somebody to elevate them to a different level, and that's the element that Ja brings that I really don't think that some of these guys are gonna be able to just elevate themselves if he's not there to help.
0: Yeah, I I see that. I see that for sure. All right, now let's flip it over to the Eastern Conference where we're looking at those matchups. Let's take a look at those play-in teams right now. So, looking at the play-in side, obviously, the Brooklyn Nets are in the play-in. Cleveland's going to be in the play-in. And then Atlanta and Charlotte, right? There's a lot of things that can still move around, but the play-in seems pretty set. So, let's talk about what we think is going to happen here. So, I like Cleveland. I know that everybody likes Brooklyn. So, let's talk about it. What What do you think about a potential matchup, right? Let's, let's talk... Cleveland, Brooklyn, right? If they're the 7 8, like it's projected right now, I mean, Brooklyn has Kyrie back. He's looking great for them if Kyrie and KD can stay healthy. Like, what do you think of the run that Brooklyn could have as a contender? Like, going up against a Miami in the future, looking at how they could go up against a Philly. Like, what do you think about Brooklyn?
1: Yeah, they're definitely gonna be an interesting team. Um, obviously, Kevin Durant is playing unbelievably as always. Kyrie being able to play in all games now is gonna be a huge benefit to their team. The one thing that just is really up in the air, and they've already announced that he won't be there. He won't be playing for the rest of the season, or he won't make his appearance for the rest of the season. Won't be available in the play-in game. Are we going to be able to see Ben Simmons make an appearance for the Nets this year? Yeah. Because so far, they're definitely missing that third option. And even if it's just like that defensive presence that Ben Simmons can have, I I mean, I think the Nets with those two are unbelievably talented, and they have a pretty good team around them, especially adding Seth Curry, who's an elite-level shooter. I'm just not sure that just those two are going to be able to carry them as far as people may have expected. Mm -hmm. But, so, it's definitely going to be an interesting matchup with Cleveland in that play-in game. Mm -hmm. I I think it'll be hard for Brooklyn to win twice against them, but I definitely think that they probably will end up doing it because I think that they will have... I just think Cleveland is just too young, mm-hmm. and they don't necessarily have that same like chemistry to playing together as Katie and Kyrie do, and at the end of the day, they, in my opinion, don't have anyone near as good as either of them at this yeah. current moment, and I think that will end up overruling, even though Cleveland's been a really good team this year, I think just the outstanding play of Katie and Kyrie will, will be able to take them past Cleveland.
0: Yeah, I think I think if we're looking at that first round matchup of a Cleveland Brooklyn, I think Brooklyn would take it, which I think would put Cleveland in a good situation. I mean, I think Cleveland would be able to beat Atlanta or Charlotte. So, I think in my mind that would then make the 8 seed being Cleveland and the 7 seed being Brooklyn. So, when we're looking at those potential matchups, I feel like Cleveland would benefit more to playing potentially the Miami Heat if they stay the one seed, which I feel like they probably will, but we can't speculate that matchup yet. But when we're looking at that, I feel like Cleveland benefits more from that situation rather than like a Brooklyn having to play like a Milwaukee or Boston as the two seed. Like, I feel like that matchup with Brooklyn, with whoever the two seed's going to be, is going to be a more competitive matchup. And then when you look at Miami versus Cleveland, that could be a series where Cleveland shows up and they go, hey, we're actually for real, guys. Like, we just took down the one seed in the East, which I know you have some thoughts about Miami as the one seed in the East, but we'll get to that at the very end. But let's start working our way backwards through the East. So let's talk about our Chicago Bulls. Let's just, you know what, let's get it out there. End of the season has looked just Just, man, disappointment. Like that, that's the only word I think I can use to describe what I've been seeing from the Bulls lately, is that whole rest of the season, we've been looking good, we had our injury stint where literally everybody got hurt, and then they started coming back and we were trying to gain momentum and we just haven't found it.
1: Yeah, I think the big thing with the Bulls is, besides the inconsistent play from a lot of the players, is... The Bulls are one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the league, and in this era of basketball, that's just not going to get it done. Nope. I mean, you got to think who's like the best three-point shooter on the team. Zach
0: Levine. Yeah, I I mean, it's got it is Zach Levine,
1: and I'm like, he's turned into a fairly elite three-point shooter, but he can't be the only one. And he, I mean, he's for the most part the only one who can hit who hits multiple threes on a consistent basis. Yeah. And that's just not gonna get it done and you can see it reflected as how they play against the top teams in the East and just in the NBA in general. They've lost to the top to teams over five hundred a
0: vast majority of the time. Yeah. Yeah, it's the Bulls are one of those teams where I look at them and I'm like, Man, we got DeMar DeRozan. We've got these dudes who are really just showing up, like for this team, for this season. But I, they just can't. They're not going to get out of the first round. Like, I, I'm going to set the bar low. Let You know what? Bulls, surprise me. Do it. Surprise me. I, I just don't think that they're going to be able to get out of that first round versus whoever we're going to face. We're going to be the sixth seed. Or we fall into the play-in, which I don't think going to happen. But, I mean, I don't know. We're, we're pretty close to the end of the season. But Bulls, I don't know. We'll just have to see what happens. Maybe Zach Levine just goes crazy and takes us through that first round. But well, know, it doesn't help know. that they said that Lonzo's likely done for the year. Yeah, they they shut him down. the 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 Bulls just announced that about yesterday, I think. So that's definitely going to cause some issues with the Bulls' whole situation with Lonzo being shut down. So.
1: Cause he's actually a fairly effective three. He's turned into yeah, he a, has good three, been. a good enough three point shooter, a defender because he has that size that six, six size at the point mm-hmm. guard position. And obviously being a great facilitator Yep. was a huge piece and a huge addition to making the offense better. And he has he's obviously been out a lot this year and if he's not going to be there, that's gonna, definitely going to be a huge loss in, in trying to make a playoff run.
0: Oh, a hundred percent. It's, That's going to make it really hard for the Bulls. Absolutely. All right, let's talk about Toronto. So, Toronto's interesting because they still have some of those pieces from their good year. Like, when they went with Kawhi and they did it, like, they still got Van Vliet, they still have Siakam, but they have a lot of young talent, too, on the team. So, it, it makes them very interesting, in my eyes, that I think maybe they could be... A potential threat but them sitting as currently a five seed having to play against a philly or potentially playing against like uh boston or milwaukee if like one of those teams swap out like it's gonna be Tor, i don't toronto's kind of in that same spot with the bulls that i feel like they're both just in this spot where you're like i just don't feel comfortable with them when you look at the top four teams in the east
1: yeah, I definitely feel like they're def- not in the position to win at this moment, but they definitely have a promising future with the way that Scotty Barnes has been playing this oh, year. Yeah. As it turns out that he was a steal of a pick where they got him because he's playing amazing already as a rookie. So that's definitely something to be excited about. Definitely do not expect him to be a 5 seed this year just based off of how they were last year. Didn't make a ton of new additions per se, kind of just obviously adding Scotty Barnes but you know they they have a lot of depth and could show a lot of promise for the future but I'm especially if they end up matching up in the 4-5 spot there I just don't see a way that they can make it out of the first round given the current team as it's constructed.
0: Yeah, I think Scotty Barnes is going to be a great piece. And I think you said it really well that they're going to be a team for the future. I just don't think right now. And in a, a team that made a move to show that they are not necessarily for the future at the moment, but here for the right now, the Philadelphia 76ers. Like, them making that trade to get Harden really just showed that, all right, like, now's the time. Like, we gotta do this now. Although, the East is pretty mid-level when you look at all of the teams in there. Like, it's not gonna be a cakewalk for them. But, you know, what do we think about Philly? Like, they're they're a team that's a toss-up in my eyes. Like, I feel like they can make a run or... I feel like they could get out in the second round and like that would be it. Like I feel like it could go either way.
1: Yeah, they definitely have put pushed all the chips into the middle on this one, making that trade for Harden. I mean, obviously the situation with Ben Simmons was not gonna end well. No, was not already at all. to the point of it not working out. I just personally feel like they are just bound to be disappointed. Just given the late trying to construct this team together, the late addition of Harden. Obviously, it looks like things have been going well with him and Joel Embiid kind of figuring out their chemistry. But I just don't see how the team as constructed is able to make that deep run and run into those teams that have that chemistry, that have that continuity of playing together for a long period of time. And now giving away those pieces, missing those pieces, I think the Sixers are missing some important like wing defenders and other guard defenders because Harden can get guard if he wants to but hasn't shown like, a huge desire to do that, especially yeah. with the offensive low that he's typically taking on. It doesn't leave a whole lot of room for e- much energy on the defensive yeah. end.
0: Well, and Harden doesn't really, like, as we've seen from his past stints, with like Houston and with Brooklyn, when he doesn't want to play, he adds like 30 pounds. So I feel like we just got to be on weight watch for Harden for the entire playoffs, I guess, but goodness gracious. He he literally would, if he had the option to just only play offense and not play defense, he'd take that every day of the week.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, they just, I think they need to play through Joel Embiid because he is playing at an unbelievable level. But without the ball in his hands, James Harden doesn't really add much to your team. So I think that's going to be the kind of balance that they need to figure out for the playoffs.
0: Yep, I think for the 76ers the key player like obviously you got Joel Embiid and you have James Harden but it's going to be who's going to step up in that three role like when you look at their team and how it's structured financially you would say that's Tobias Harris like financially you'd say he's making the money he should step up in that third role based on the season I would say Tyrese Maxey stepped up in that third role and just really started taking over that spot at the end of the season to really show hey guys it's Like, I'm the three. I've got this. I'll carry us in this way. But, I mean, if neither one of them step up in that role, they might not make it out of the first round.
1: That's definitely true. Um, Obviously, Tyrese Maxey has been getting a lot better, and he's been playing really well, especially since Harden got there. But, I mean, Tobias Harris, for making all that money, but he is such a wild card for that team. I mean, he can give you 20, 25, 30, or he can give you 8. And he is just all over the place sometimes. And it just... he I don't know what his role really is alongside Harden and Embiid. He's not necessarily an elite-level shooter. And so he just kind of gets... Has to just kind of make the best out of what he can. And that doesn't always end up translating super well as far as his production
0: goes. Yeah, he's... The Sixers are a very interesting team because they have this guy who's this like big contract in the 30 like the 30 million dollar range like where they're spending like 35 plus on him and he really can't do a whole heck of a lot like he's not an outstanding scorer he's not an outstanding defender like he's just kind of this mid-tier player that like got locked into this big contract so the Sixers will be very interesting whether they're the four seed, the three seed, or the two seed, or, you know, who knows where everybody's going to shake out in the East. But as of right now, the three seed, based on literally like five minutes ago after Milwaukee beat Boston head-to-head, is Boston. So Boston's an interesting situation in my eyes. I think when we're looking at them, you see Jason Tatum and you see Jalen Brown, and you're like, okay, guys, like, we finally have this feeling that we're going to be able to put this together. Like, those two together might be able to get it done. I mean, they have a new injury that just popped up that I think is going to cause a problem with Robert Williams. Like, he's he's a potential, like, defensive player of the year Like that is now gone. And we've seen that impact in their games as of late as to what is missing with him. So Boston's a toss-up in my eyes, but, like, if Robert Williams can come back and, like, at least hold them off after their stint with whoever they play in the first round like if Robert Williams can come back and be kind of a even a half of what he was i think Boston's got a shot this year
1: yeah i mean that's definitely their their weak spot as a team is like depth at the center position especially defensively so missing him is will definitely be something to watch out for i think he's only going to be out for a few weeks so he might just miss the first round potentially.
0: That's that's what I've heard. I've heard that it's just the first round with the potential for him coming back maybe if like it got to a game seven in that first round. But that might be pushing it.
1: I feel like Boston is just such a hard team to gauge how they're going to play in the playoffs because they've gone through kind of waves in the regular season. I mean, they didn't start out super well, but they've been playing really, really well as of lately. I'm just not totally sure that... This team, as constructed, can go very deep into it. But, I mean, they've done it before when you didn't think that they were going to, when they uh, made that run when, I believe that was Tatum's rookie year.
0: Yeah, that was Tatum's rookie year. When they
1: made that run. So, I mean, it's not like they haven't surprised people before and made a a significant playoff run. I just don't really know what to make of this team based on the current construction and the players that they would have
0: available yeah and, and i think the real thing with the eastern conference when we've been looking at all these teams i really think it's going to depend on the matchups like looking at everybody's records like there's a game two games three games that separate the one seed from the four seed like you have this huge gap one through four where it literally is just like you shake up you're like dominoes and you're like dice and you roll it out and you get these random numbers. And that's probably how it's going to line up. Like looking at the East, it's going to be just whatever it wants to be. Everybody's trying to avoid Brooklyn, but like you're looking at this and Boston could play Chicago. Boston could play Toronto. Boston could even end up playing Brooklyn or Cleveland. Like they have all these different matchups that would just make a huge difference on what they're going to have. So, Like if they play a Chicago, like I feel like they're gonna be fine against Chicago, like just because Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown could probably carry them and like three point scoring wise, Boston's significantly better than Chicago at it. But when you're looking defensively, like if Boston's gotta play Brooklyn, like they're not gonna be able to hold with them. If they're if Boston's gotta play Toronto. I don't know if Boston can hold with Toronto in that way, if it comes down to it, like it's going to be close in that situation. So Boston's a real risky team that's going to really depend on the matchup for me personally when we're looking at this. But I think Tatum can really step up this year and prove that he is that elite-level talent that, you know what, guys? I can carry this team. I will hold this on my back. And then Jalen Brown can really become that two option rather than them having to be like, all right, one's injured. The other guy's got to step up. I think Boston's got that down.
1: I mean, he's definitely been on quite the scoring tear over the last month, month and a half. So if he can keep that momentum going into the playoffs, then I definitely agree.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Let's take a look at the reigning MVP, reigning champs, the Milwaukee Bucks. Looking at, like, the two seed right now, but again, like we were saying, everything's kind of just up in the air with seeding-wise, but Milwaukee, I mean, how do you not like their odds?
1: I definitely think that they they should be the favorite to come out of the East. Um, they've... I don't know why the, nobody's really been talking about them. I feel like they've been kind of just overlooked all season. just That's because just cause they're really good. They haven't really made... I mean, they didn't make any significant changes because they didn't really need to. No.
0: They didn't need to make any changes because they got the same roster. They got the same three dudes that are going to carry him again to the championship.
1: Giannis is seemingly playing better. I mean, he is continuing to improve his three-point shooting, his mid-range shooting, his free-throw shooting. Somehow he's finding a way, a two-time uh, MVP, finals MVP champion, finding a way to still improve, which is terrifying. Yep. That's <laughs> uh, crazy. I just, crazy. I, I just don't see who, like who really could challenge them outside of like maybe a Brooklyn cuz we saw him go back and forth. Yeah. And with that matchup, but I just don't know who can really like ch- truly truly challenge them in the East in given this current makeup.
0: Yeah, I think I think Brooklyn would have the best shot. I think maybe Boston could give them a run for their money, but Boston doesn't have anybody to try and stop Giannis and Chris Middleton and also Drew Holiday like you're going to have to now throw Marcus Smart at Drew Holiday, and that's not going to work. So, I don't know. Milwaukee seems like the favorite. I mean, they are the favorite. Like, they are they should be the team to come out of the East, and everybody's probably asking, Graham and Ryan, what the heck? What about Miami? Miami
1: is probably the worst one seed in years.
0: <laughs> I mean, I, I dare say that they're probably the worst... One seed that we've seen in a really long time, maybe in like the past five years.
1: Yeah, and they, if they, if they get matched up with like a Cleveland in the first round, I mean, I think that they would beat them. Brooklyn, I don't think that Miami would be able to beat Brooklyn in the first round if they were to end up matching up against them.
0: See, I don't know about Cleveland, though. I I think Cleveland could beat Miami. Like, I could see that happening. I think like, that
1: they match up with them decently, as far as like being able to guard all the important players. But I just don't. I just don't think Cleveland's that team yet.
0: Yeah, I mean they're young. They're yeah. they're a really young team. I understand that. I think it would be really interesting to see Miami play Cleveland. Obviously, Miami plays Brooklyn. That game over, gentlemen sweep Brooklyn Nets. Like that'll be a that won't even be fun to watch. But I I agree with you. I think Miami's a fraud. I think they're the most fraudulent one seed we've seen in a really long time. Like, looking at our two one seeds, we've got Phoenix on one side and we got Miami on the other. Like, Miami might not even be the one seed in, like, once this is finalized. Like, they could fall. But, like, them being the one seed right now, Jimmy Butler's not going to be able to carry them anymore. He's not showing up to be the guy. Like, Bam is, like, playing decently. Tyler Heroes playing decently. Like, you have guys on their team like Kyle Lowry playing decently. Like, nobody's stepping up to really be like, hey, we're, like, we're going to really make this run and I'm going to hold our team together. Like, they're going to have to rely on each of those guys putting up 15, like, maybe, like, 10, 15 points a game for them to even be able to be considered to beat a Brooklyn or to beat a Milwaukee.
1: Well and that's kind of been like the story of Miami all years that like they don't they just have a bunch of guys averaging in the mid to high teens as far as points go. And outside of Jimmy Butler, maybe Tyler Hero on a good night I really don't think that they like they don't have that guy that can just go get you like bucket after bucket in a playoff game like pushing end of the fourth like near the end of the fourth quarter when you just need to get a basket. They I don't know I just don't think they have many of those guys or just somebody that can go out and just get you 30 to 40 multiple games in a row. Jimmy Butler maybe can, but Bro- if they Brooklyn is two of those guys that yep. can go out and get you 30 to 35
0: night after night in a playoff situation. Yep, and you're going to need two guys on Miami to be able to get you there. Like, you're going to need Tyler Hero and Kyle Lowry to get a combined 30 for you to even be like, oh, yeah, like, maybe they'll have a shot against Brooklyn. Like, and that's requiring two dudes to put up 15-plus points. And that just gets them to 30. Like, that. that's not even what, like, Katie's going to put up by putting up some 40-point games.
1: Yeah, they're... They're definitely gonna be interested to see how they how they attack it but I just think that they it can be good to rely on like to not rely on just one or two particular players but in this case I just think it's it's gonna to be too tough for them to rely on as many players as they do to perform and if they don't if a couple of them have a bad game then they're just gonna be losing out on all of those points that they really need to stack up teams like points as a whole team to be able to like win those games. Yep. As how they play.
0: Yep, I agree. So in our next podcast, this will be finalized, right? We're going to have all of our matchups in the West. We're going to have all of our matchups in the East. We're going to go through each matchup, give you our actual predictions, talk about who we think's going to win it all this year. Spoiler alert, I'm definitely picking The 34 and 45, as of this moment, San Antonio Spurs. (laughs) Uh, So if you want to hear how the heck I'm going to do that, um, tune in to No Podcast Ever because that would never happen. Uh, But next time we are going to talk about where we're going to rank everybody at. We're going to talk about Phoenix making it out of the first round. We're going to talk about Miami and if they're going to lose in that first round, depending on who they play after our play-in speculations. So stay tuned for that. Thanks for listening to Fanatics Update. Make sure you follow us on all social medias and turn on your notifications so you know when the next podcast is released. Hope you enjoyed listening to Fanatics Update. Peace!